in if you please Quiet nights offer classic films But mornings offer eggs and cheese Are you ready for some omelettes? Georgia Football, Classic Cinema and Omelets Podcast with your host, Steve Shafini. Steve. Thanks, elderly Jewish me. He's having a bad day. This is the Internet's number one podcast for Georgia Football, Omelet Recipes, and Classic Cinema Analysis, conveniently called Georgia Football, Classic Cinema and Omelets. I'm your host, Steve Shafini, and I waited a couple days. I didn't really have uh, the balls or the nerve or whatever to talk about this game. It was so horrible, and I was busy doing other stuff, so we're late. That's the beauty of not being a journalist. This podcast is not affiliated with the University of Georgia officially. I know it seems that way. Or the National Egg Board or Turner Classic Movies. So I can just wait a couple days because I don't want to talk about the game because I'm too pissed off. So by now you know Tennessee beats Georgia 34-31 in the cruelest and most sadistic nightmarish scenarios ever devised by our malevolent lord, Last second Hail Mary, and I mean last second Hail Mary. Two consecutive Hail Marys, one by Georgia to put us ahead and one by Tennessee to win the game. Uh, It was after Jacob Eason's 47-yard TD pass to Riley Ridley that we got an excessive penalty celebration. And it's the only way Tennessee could have scored. It was as far as Dobbs could possibly throw the ball. The ending was the worst ending to a sporting event that I had a rooting interest in that I've ever seen in my life. It was the most heartbreaking, cruelest, most sadistic, most unthinkable, god-awful loss to any team I've ever rooted for in any sport. Uh, you know, a Hail Mary is rare enough, but I've, ne- I've never seen back-to-back Hail Marys to end the game. I couldn't even process that we were going to lose after Easton's fumble. I couldn't even process in time we were going to win after the pass, TD pass to Riley Ridley, and I was... Shocked. I mean, I don't know. Throw around, find your inner Jack Buck. I don't believe what I just saw. But here's my question. When you think about it, could you really not believe it, Georgia fans? It's just a little bit too familiar. I mean, I'll get to that in a second. But, I mean, you know, it's like one of those things. I, I've, there's nothing in my daily life or professional life that could give me the roller coaster of emotions that I had in the last two minutes of that game. So I was wondering, why do I even bother subjecting myself to it at all? It was like a beautiful day outside that I spent sitting in the dark, moping. I mean, it was the kind of loss that you question why you follow college football, why you get emotionally invested in sports teams in the first place. It's really, really tough to take. Blowout loss at Ole Miss, that's easy to forget. It'll just ruin your day, at least. You know, hey, it's just not your day. It's a bad matchup, blah, blah, blah. But... 34-31, 34-31, last play of the game. When you think you have the game won, that you have to relive that moment over and over again in your head. You know, you'll sit and ponder the significance of why it matters that we're going to the Poland Weed Eater Independence Bowl in an inherently absurd and tragic universe. Anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Yeah, okay, Dog Nation Daily, did you hear that? We just fucking quoted Kierkegaard. 
You got recruiting news? We got fucking Kierkegaard, okay? Level with me, Georgia fans. Do you feel like you've been hillbilly raped after the end of that game? Only one movie can go with that game. That's the beloved 1972 romantic comedy, Deliverance. Shot right on the Georgia-Tennessee border, which they're actually proud of. The locals are actually proud of this. That's a whole other story. And I challenge you and myself to have an adult, critical conversation about Deliverance, which I already messed that up by going for the easy joke, which I will continue to do. I literally cannot help myself. And I wasn't even going to make an omelet today. I was so pissed off about that game. It's like, should I just fucking shit in a frying pan? Look, we're the number one podcast of Georgia football omelets and classic cinema analysis for a reason. We got to go on. We got to make an omelet. And I got some tasty ass ground beef and pepper jack cheese. We're going to make a Mexican omelet. Arriba? Is that racist enough for you? So uh, it's going to be like the taco salad of omelets or like the McGriddle. You know, basically swapping out the taco shell for eggs. And as we go on, I'm more convinced if you cook the ingredients in advance, you can pretty much put any damn thing in an omelet and it'll be good. Um, I cooked the beef last night. It's, um, I season it with the um, same taco seasoning that you get, the little Lowry's taco season thing. It's really tasty. Uh, if you want to spruce it up with some roasted red pepper, some green pepper, that would be really good here. But, uh, you know, I'm all about the pepper jack cheese. It has little hints of that pepper in the cheese. So you really don't need it. The only thing is I don't recommend watching Deliverance while you're eating. You know what? I'd almost rather watch Deliverance again than watch the end of that game. As much as I don't want to do it, we got to talk about the Georgia game. we got to talk about the end. Let me crack these eggs here. And some butter. Now I got and some real butter. Uh, I was using margarine and some shitty substitute and really didn't get the same uh, lubrication with the skillet. Anyway. So seeing that fat porcupine Butch Jones celebrating on the sidelines at UGA, it's just about as bad as it gets. We all remember the hobnail boot game 15 years ago. And I don't know if it's payback. They're going to be showing the end of this. You know, if Tennessee is going to go to the East Championship game now, they're going to go to Atlanta. And because, again, it's a two-game swing in the standings, and they have the tiebreaker. And in four seconds, we've gone from Georgia being in control of the East to you know, again, rebuilding, recruiting, playing for next year. So however you're coping with that, whatever you're telling yourself, however you're rationalizing it, just one of those things, fluke things, you'll never see it again. Right? Claude Felton, the sports information director up there, said he's never seen anything like that. He's been in that position since 1979. I was a freshman in 1992. I've seen a lot of pain. I've never seen anything like it. So unless you can think back to the year of 2013, the tip ball game at Auburn, I was at the game. You see a similarity here? Or what about the 2009 LSU game? A.J. Green takes off his helmet, gets a penalty for excessive celebration on what would have been the game-winning touchdown. Sound familiar? How about the 2014 Georgia Tech game? The famous Mark Richt squib kick. Coach Smart elects to do a sky kick. I've never even heard of a sky kick until what? I don't know if we just didn't have the guys to kick it as far as we could. I don't know what the advantage of it is, a, a sky kick. Needless to say, it was a shit kick, excessive, and... Uh, God, I'm having trouble even, like, getting these words out. Point being, all the things that killed us on just the final play, just the final play, we've seen before in recent Georgia history. Excessive uh, celebration penalty. Rico McGraw took off his helmet. 
2009, A.J. Green does the same thing. Costas field position, LSU has the winning score. Okay? The sky kick. Look back to the 2014 squib kick game against Georgia Tech. The only time what Tech has beaten us in the last nine years, it was because of a squib kick. Coach Rick opted for a short kick, giving Georgia Tech excellent field position, in which they had a great kicker. Kicked the game-winning 53-yard field goal that just got in by a hair. And the tip ball game. Uh, prayer Jordan Hare. I was at the game at Auburn. You know, it's just bad luck. It's just one of those things. You can't believe it, right? No. It happens to us again in, in three years. And again, it's luck or whatever. Fourth and 16 for Auburn. Nick Marshall can't, doesn't have any arm strength. He was, a, he was a spread quarterback just like Dobbs. All you got to do is hit the ball down. And they didn't do it. Didn't put any pressure on Marshall on fourth and 16 at Jordan Hare. We didn't put any pressure on Dobbs last week. Just let him throw. Uh, Tennessee has taller receivers. Georgia has shorter defensive backs. Bringing Lorenzo Carter to the backfield uh, all the way to the end zone. Okay, it's a good idea in theory, but he got behind the play. There's like five Georgia defenders, one Tennessee receiver. All of them are behind. Those guys ever played basketball? Do they know how to box out? Why didn't one of those guys front him? Just one. Or at least one guy put some pressure on Dobbs. Make him throw off his back foot. Make him... I mean... Dobbs can't make that kind of throw again. You sat on your hands. That's as far as he could throw the ball. Just put one guy on him. Just, just put a guy in his face. Or tip the ball down. So, if you're looking for a culture change under Kirby Smart, why did Rick get run out of town? Because he was unprepared in big games and we had blowouts where we got behind early. Check. Last week against Ole Miss. And the horrible, painstaking games where we were one play away like the 2012 championship game all of this we've done before in recent georgia history so and i'm not saying kirby's not the guy i'm not saying that there isn't a culture change i'm not saying they're not good things about the game but so far we haven't seen that on the field we saw us lose in the exact same way uh excessive penalty excessive celebration penalty boom cost us 2009 lsu game did it again not tipping the ball down Playing a, playing a Hail Mary the wrong way. Coach Smart said they practiced it on Thursdays. Maybe they want to practice it on Thursdays and Fridays now. We did it at Auburn. We did it again. All right? Squib kick, sky kick, 2013 Tech. We did it before. We do it again. You see a pattern here. As a Georgia fan, when there were four seconds left on the clock after what would have been in any other game, a game-winning Hail Mary thrown by Eason, when I saw Dobbs sitting back there, I just had a feeling that something was going to go horribly, horribly wrong. And it did. So, Georgia fans, aren't you tired of being on the wrong side of someone else's miracle finish? Aren't you tired of being the lead story on SportsCenter for the wrong fucking reasons? Because I am. And I'll take you to something um, my brother-in-law said. And why I'm quoting him is he's not a fan. He lives back in New Jersey. He, his team is the New York football giants. He doesn't really follow college. So is our national reputation... This word, can you get this word out of your head? Are we snake bitten? Was Sanford Stadium, did they break ground on an old ancient Indian burial ground, like in Poltergeist? Are we posterized, like the famous Michael Jordan poster of him dunking over Rick Smiths? Are we Rick Smiths? <sighs> Some egghead, I saw this on sportsscience.com, somebody actually crunched the numbers. After Easton's 47-yard touchdown to Riley Ridley with 10 seconds to go, Tennessee had a 0.1% chance of winning the game. Not a 1% chance, a 
50% chance. So only 1 in 50 million people in the U.S. die from snake bites a year. It's 5 to 6 people dying a year. That's a less than 0% chance. That is a statistical probability 9 times more likely to die from being struck by lightning than to die of venomous snake bite in the United States. So we're actually worse than snake bitten. The odds of dying via venomous snake bite in the United States are greater than the odds of Tennessee coming back to win that game with four seconds to go. Yet it happened. Yet it happened to us many times over. Every other year. Unacceptable. Okay? We're the one play away school. All the time. Again, let's change the logo. Chris Conley trying to get out of bounds in the SEC championship game. Because it keeps happening to us. And this culture's got to change. It hasn't changed yet. It could change. It hasn't yet. Oh, and if there ever was a game that made you feel like you were on the wrong end of a hillbilly rape, it was that one. Ugh, I'm sorry. Um, so I want to talk about Deliverance because it's a good movie. And it, it's such an easy target and it's such an easy joke. Well, hang on a second. Omelet flip. Uh, flipping this omelet. I, I got this Mexican seasoning. It's like a marinade thing that I cook the beef in. I recommend that highly or it's just going to taste a little bit more bland. So you don't have to, if you do it that way, you don't have to bombard it with Mrs. Dash, what I did last time. This is looking really good. Haven't added the cheese yet. I'll add that last. Anyway, <laughs> Deliverance. Hey, it's really hard for me to talk about, the, or for anyone to talk about this movie, because the rape scene has overshadowed everything else in the movie. It's unbelievably uncomfortable. I, I can't think of anything more uncomfortable in the history of cinema. I mean, there's like exploitation movies like I Spit on Your Grave that, that deal with rape or you know Pulp Fiction or, or whatever has a scene or, or scenes that have movies that have a rape scene but never were was so realistic and so uncomfortable and, and obviously you know I, I think it's because it's um, a man on man rape scene too that's why it hit a nerve that's really taboo in cinema and in culture and uh Point being, again, they never mention this on Dog Nation Daily. Point being, the challenge is uh, it's almost like watching Triumph of the Will or um, Birth of a Nation. Like these movies that you have to watch in film school. But the subject matter is so uncomfortable. Like Triumph of the Will, you're watching these like homoerotic Nazis pat each other down. Again, can, can you have one football podcast without saying homoerotic Nazis? You can't, but I mean, so the challenge is to see what's good with that film and, and take yourself out of it. It's the same thing with Birth of a Nation. It's so horribly racist and like, you know, they have people in blackface like like eating fried chicken and like about to rape a white woman and like the Ku Klux Klan rides in on horseback. And so it's really hard to concentrate on the parallel editing of D.W. Griffith while you're watching this. So I think Deliverance is in that category and... So, and I'm, of course, I'm a huge hypocrite because I can't stop cracking jokes about it. And the whole reason why I'm even having this discussion, Tennessee, you know, it's like it was shot in the woods on the border of uh, up north, I guess, what, Tacoa area that borders Georgia and Tennessee. And the locals are kind of proud of that it was shot there, which is very disturbing. So if you can take that scene away and... You know, that music and squeal like a pig becoming the most unsettling catchphrase in the history of cinema, what you're left with is a very good film. Burt Reynolds, finest acting. John Voight became, before he became a Tea Party nut. Really good acting and uh, a really 
uncomfortably told story of survival. And I think that's really uh, what you miss is that we have all the civilization, you know, the city slickers in Atlanta, the businessmen, the stuff that can kind of be taken away. And you don't need a zombie apocalypse to do it. You can just make a wrong turn in the woods. Uh, it's a very good movie, very uncomfortable. And if you could ever actually sit and watch it, you know, it's not exploitation. There's some philosophical debate behind it. The nature of man, the nature of survival, man versus nature. Uh, and, I mean, are we born inherently civilized or not? Well, I don't know. And uh, if you missed the point, don't be alone because, let me share this review real quick. It's possible to consider civilized men in a confrontation with the wilderness without throwing in rapes, cowboy and Indian stunts, and pure exploitative sensationalism. That's why I was reminded of The Worst Journey in the World, which is a book. It makes Dickies, James Dickies' Odyssey seemed absolutely adolescent. That's from a review from Roger Ebert. So in my mind, that only proves the validity of the movie. It's so unsettling that even a, you know, a smart, uh, great writer, respected critic like Roger Ebert can be so uncomfortable with it that it overshadows the rest of the movie. So if you can stomach that, you can get through one of the more challenging cinematic experiences you'll ever have. Uh, one of the more standout movies of the 70s, which is a great decade for filmmaking. And uh, you know, one of the things you can't really repeat watch, but you should ever check it out. Or you could read the book by James Dickey, which is fabulous. James Dickey's the uh, police officer, the sheriff. You guys don't ever come back here. No problem. Good advice. Uh, James Dickey's The Sheriff at the End of Deliverance, one of the best author cameos ever in any movie. So check it out. And as Ned Beatty famously said, never take a cock in a movie for you aspiring actors out there. All right, you ready for a segue? This is going to be the best segue like ever in this podcast. Ned Beatty had to go back to Atlanta and recover from that hillbilly rape in the woods. How does Georgia recover from this horrible loss? <sighs> Sorry. You know, I'm trying to have an adult conversation about the movie Deliverance, and I keep resorting to cheap jokes. Uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah, I know I said cock again. So what? Just what Georgia needed. A really bad team. They lost to Kentucky. If you thought Georgia was losing some talent with the uh, change in head coaching, you should see what they got out there in Columbia. But if you saw the Nickel State game, we're definitely capable of losing. Touchdown favorite on the road, which always bodes well for the home team. But I'm anticipating a really focused uh, Georgia team. And, you know, there were things long overshadowed by the end of the game. A couple things you can hang your hat on. We're finally able to run the ball, sort of. We ran some great plays with Sonny Michelle to the outside. Uh, you know, Easton's obviously proven nothing else. We proved nothing else this season that Easton's ready and he's clutch and he's not intimidated. Uh I don't know what's going on. They're going to play the game in Columbia, hurricane or not. Weather could be a factor. I'm a little worried about injuries. I just uh, let me share one more thing for you. The fans that were saying, the Georgia fans that were saying, oh, it's bad luck. Oh, it's a great game. I'm just so proud of our guys being part of such an instant classic. If you think that, seriously, take off your red and black and start rooting for Vanderbilt or NC State. Seriously, fuck off with that. You're happy to be torched like that? You're happy to do, be shown on national TV doing stupid fucking things like not putting pressure on Dobbs, doing the back kick, not fronting the uh, receiver for Tennessee, Jawan Jeffries. Accepting that kind of mediocrity is everything that was wrong with the program. That's why we made a change. Just get out of the program. Stop. Go root for someone else. Seriously. Oh, Georgia fans, stop being so negative. 
negative. After that ending, I don't think there was anything as being too negative. It was the worst ending I've ever seen in any football game. As your rationale is luck, it's not luck if it keeps happening to you. So if you accept that kind of mediocrity, seriously, I can only assume you're buying up all the tickets to the TaxSlayer.com bowl and are going to drive there yourselves. I hate that kind of talk. It was like when I was in school uh, in the Goff, Donnan era, you know, it, we were, it was an afterthought that we were going to lose to the big rivals. Auburn, Tennessee, Florida completely dominated us until the coach rigged. And uh, I think one headline in the AJC after tying Auburn 19-all, it's a Georgia quote-unquote wins 19-all. So if that's okay with you, then you're rooting for the wrong program, that you don't understand why we made a change. And I don't think it was luck. It was lack of discipline, poor execution, and yes, bad coaching. And I just feel like you know we're so desperate to try and look for something positive out of this. There were improvements from the Ole Miss game. Look, there can only be improvements from a game in which you were losing 45 nothing in the third quarter, okay? Georgia was able to run the ball, especially to the outside with Sonny Michelle. Brian Heron had some nice carries. Elijah Holyfield put a dent in the box score. That's all good news, but you got to win some games too. Yeah, it's like after the man-ass rape in Deliverance, do you notice how well the movie was shot? Great cinematography, great shot of the Rapids. Yeah, it's true, but you don't really remember it. You only remember that. There was... Uh, a couple plays. First of all, Jalen Hurd shredding into the end zone in the second quarter, fumbling the ball. Georgia falls on it. A great heads-up play by Georgia. It's forgotten now because, you know, if that pass was deflected towards the end. And how many times in the next 20 years are we going to say that? If only Dobbs didn't complete that pass. <sighs> then Jalen Hurd would never have lived that down. Another thing, uh, officiating. I know the officiating was bad. And I'm not a blame-the-official kind of guy because sometimes they get them, sometimes they miss them. It usually evens out. So I never say blame the referee, usually, but there were some crazy missed calls, particularly the trap on third down where a Tennessee receiver obviously trapped the ball. You don't even need a replay, and it was ruled third down. Tennessee scores on the next play. That was very frustrating. So I get that the officiating was poor, but not really what we should be harping on the week after an ending like that. And... It's like saying, you know, Burt Reynolds didn't really hold the crossbow right in deliverance. Probably not the thing you remember. But, you know, we talked a lot about the kicking game, and it wasn't even a factor. We played like a perfect first half of football. Rodrigo Blankenship actually made a field goal, even though it was the same distance as an extra point. But the critical fourth and two after the interception, again, any other day, that would have sealed the win for Georgia. After the interception, critical fourth and two, we have to go for it. Because we don't have a kicker, and Kirby knows it. They had a kicker, just an average SEC kicker. It would have been, what, 30-yarder? That's an obvious make. And the, and the worst thing could happen, Dobbs could tie the game. We play for overtime. Home team usually wins in overtime. Through the first four games, everybody pissed and moaned about the kicker, rightfully so. And no one really said that this game, but it did cost us. It cost us dearly. You just don't remember it. It'd be like Ned Beatty goes home to his wife. Hi, honey. How was your fishing trip? Ah, oh, not so great. We didn't catch any fish? So, Deliverance redefined what a bad fishing trip really entails. Just like I think this game defined what a bad loss is. <sighs> Nevertheless, it's one loss. So we got to get over it. Breaking news into the Georgia Football Classic Cinema and Omelets News Center. Uh, LSU Florida is canceled. So, again, uh, no sooner did they issue a statement the game will be played in Columbia 
Is that still going to go? I don't know. Uh, they better decide soon. Again, as far as it's um, Thursday afternoon, the game is still on in Columbia. Hurricane Matthew, they will not be moving into the Georgia Dome as of now. See if they do. I wonder what the ticket situation would be like. You got to figure that's be a logistical nightmare. The same seats don't add up. Maybe I can get a really cheap ticket. See where my priorities are. So obviously, no matter what happens, we're ready to do it all again. That's how it works. And the best news I have for Georgia fans, this is probably the best omelet I've made on this show yet. I really recommend this. The uh, spicy pepper jack just fucking melts in your mouth. And I'm actually going to put I'm gonna put a little bit of fresh guac on top for the clincher. And I am fucking whisked away to south of the border. I recommend this omelet highly. Interesting uh, little tidbit. Bruce Feldman, uh, I think he writes for Fox Sports. I forget who he writes for, but uh, quote, uh, interesting stuff behind the scenes at UGA. Quote, word is first-year Georgia head coach Kirby Smart is struggling with his overall management style of the football program and its effect on operational aspects of the team. That's really vague. It sounds like corporate evaluation speech. It's like Bill Lumberg is suddenly, like, Athletics director at UGA. I don't know what this means, if anything. Interesting that Bruce Feldman was the writer that broke the story that management in the university was ready to move on from Coach Rick last year. But, you know, whatever. I don't know. Kirby rubs people the wrong way. He's gruff. He answers everything in one word answers. He's trying to be Saban Jr. I don't know. You know, no one's happy with the last two games. Nobody. So it's really a non story and one of the thickest, densest non statements ever. So, I'll bring you to a quote from Noah Syndergaard, a Mets pitcher who lost the one-game playoff last night. Baseball has a way of ripping your heart out, stabbing it, putting it back in your chest, and healing itself just in time for spring training. Well, the same could be said about college football, but we don't have an off-season to get ready for it. So, as I chow down this fucking awesome omelet, get ready to do it all over again on Saturday. Uh, Going down to the Georgia football Classic cinnamon omelets, Doppler weather. Game is still going to be played in Columbia. All right, everyone. Thanks for clicking. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing on iTunes. If you haven't yet, what the fuck is your problem? All right, it's date night. My old lady's coming over. We're going to watch a nice romantic comedy. I think either my best friend's wedding or... What's this?